Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Social Life of Energy's ongoing series on sustainable entrepreneurship. As a reminder, two questions drive the series. Firstly, how are new energy markets established? How are products made and services designed, regulations complied with and new regulations lobbied for, customers found and prepped, and products and services sold? Secondly, can sustainable entrepreneurship as a type of ethical entrepreneurship, create products and services that are actually doing good for their users and stakeholders. That is to say, in this world of deepening inequalities, do they help emancipate citizens, lift up the downtrodden? Today's edition is based on Julia Afolderbach and Rob Kruger's Just Ecropreneurs, Reconceptualizing Green Transitions and Entrepreneurship, published in Local Environment in 2016. The gist of the article. The distinction between my first and second questions of this series is the distinction between the green economy and the social economy. The green economy consists of those business models that do not add to pollution and ideally, even straight up reduce it. The social economy, by contrast, refers to business practices that do not aggravate and ideally reduce inequities. Both face some market-making challenges. Green entrepreneurs, listen for this uh, to the previous episodes on so-called ecopreneurs, they need to convince money to follow new revenue streams. And very similarly, Social entrepreneurs, socialpreneurs, need to convince money to flow away from the usual investment objects. But the one does not necessarily make the other. Tesla can be said to be a green business. It cannot be said to be a social business. But what if you wanted to be both? Well, that's a great idea. It couldn't be more timely. Let's find you some inspiration. We'll look at a case study of one such socio-ecopreneur trademark, or a person making a business case for cleaner energy and greater equity all at once. The case is Charlie Lord, who wants to combine decarbonization with a better life for people in vulnerable communities by improving housing and creating new local jobs to do it. Charlie Lord is an environmental lawyer who finished his studies at the moment that indigenous black and brown communities were causing scenes in the environmental movement of the time, condemning leadership for ignoring the effects of environmental pollution and destruction on vulnerable communities at home. Inspired by these critiques, Charlie Lord and college buddy William Shutkin started ACE in Massachusetts an advocacy group that worked bottom-up to document environmental inequality and lobby or litigate for change. After ACE took a life of its own, Lord moved on to address a gnawing problem, that ACE, as a non-profit organization, was there to pick up the pieces left behind by self-interested for-profit enterprises. Business, he felt, should be just as community-interested, 
He therefore started a company for eco-innovation services called Sequest Capital. And it's worth copying Affoldenbach and Kruger in full here. His business plans look and feel very conventional to investors. For example, his recent venture, which is to do green retrofits in buildings over 35,000 square feet, gives investors the look and feel of a conventional real estate investment, where investors expect in the neighborhood of 10 to 14% return on their money. The building owners get a savings on their energy costs. Lord's firm is working with the Boston Impact Initiative to ensure that for at least some of the projects, people in the community are trained for jobs and get experience doing quote-unquote green work. Thus, by converting regular investors into ethical investors, Charlie Lord hoped to take the social economy out of the not-for-profit domain. Why is this important? At stake in his and others' attempts is nothing less than the world we want. Arguably, the climate crisis demands that we come up with, and I quote a Foltenbach and Kruger here, business models that are not driven by profit maximization and rational choice alone, but by ethical considerations, alternative norms and values. Business models that are not bound by non-financial values might wind up reproducing the same systemic conditions for inequalities and natural exploitation. For an example, let's look again at last issue's sustainable energy business, Sunrun. Its foundational mission is to increase the adoption of solar. It therefore has to have a pretty solid financial pitch to middle-class homeowners, for whom it can thus do good. However, it might not have much to offer to people in more vulnerable neighborhoods or marginalized communities, where different property relations, local regulations, building suitability, lack of time and an awareness necessary to sort things out, or low trust in financial systems constitute significant obstacles. Sunrun's not being an evil capitalist pig, but its business model cannot address these larger scale issues and deliver on the good for these potential customers. So the demand now is to come up with business models that can. I quote Affoldenbach and Kruger again. Charlie Lord's services are no different from those offered by other companies in the green building sector. What the environmental justice driven approach has brought to the new business model is a revaluation of goals where venture capital in the form of environmental services is used as a means to achieve defined environmental justice outcomes. For example, through social employment contracts with clients and a focus on disadvantaged and poor neighborhoods. A Foltenbach and Kruger's response then to the demand comes in the form of business models driven by environmental justice. Business models that redress environmental and economic inequalities and help the marginalized also attain a good life. That's perhaps the real challenge for the economy the coming decades. To figure out the economics of sustainable well-being, also on the level of business administration. Now, the author's environmental justice framework remains quite general in this article. I'll be exploring what this framework might look like more concretely in the future. But if you know any leads uh, in the meantime, do let me know. 
by sending me an email or commenting on the newsletter on sociallifeofenergy.substack.com. A final ramble. The real challenge I just mentioned poses the ultimate question in transition studies. What can ethical entrepreneurship change? What is its impact? What does it transform? The social economy is perhaps by its very nature, for better and for worse, limited to local social change, always falling short of transformation. Sandran, by contrast, and by virtue of its for-profit motive, is more traditionally capitalist. It seeks to grow, break out of its niche, turn mainstream. There is potential transformative power bundled there. Meanwhile, the transformative potential of the social economy is perhaps best built and harnessed by policymakers, by recognizing and nurturing small-scale activities, allowing these activities to cast out seeds and multiply. Community energy looks like a great example of this, and structural support by policymakers is even on its way, although, like all innovation, that's hard and messy work, as you can read in a previous edition of The Social Life of Energy. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for more.